Just want to open by asking you how you're doing. Uh, these are really strange times. There's a really significant threat on our doorstep, but along with the threat of something on our doorstep comes an incredible opportunity. Um, it's always worked like this. Um, threats and suffering bring opportunities with them. And the reason why is because God is alive, He's good, and He plans to take every evil thing that happens and twist it back to good. So it's a, it's a weird kind of reality. Uh, when, when you think about evil, evil itself is the twisting of good. And then God in His sovereignty is actually going to come in and He's going to twist the twisting of good back to being good again. Uh, it's amazing. It's really, really cool. Uh, evil twists things, but Jesus twists evil. That's, uh, that's how it works. Um, these are times of great opportunity for the gospel. We've got a, a great opportunity to reach out to our neighbours, a great opportunity to spend more time with our kids. Um, we've got a great opportunity to lean into one another, even as there's physical distancing that we're being told to have from one another. Um, yeah, think about what's happening at the moment for us. Um, I think one of the things that's happening for us is we're having a national fast. <laughs> that's kind of what we're doing. It's a national fast, strangely, at the time of Lent. Uh, we're having this national fast um, from consumerism, from uh, a fast from busyness, a fast from the drive to make money, a fast from sport, a fast from external entertainment and so on. It's a strange government proclaimed fast that we're in the middle of. Um, and what do we do instead? Well, we stay home with our families and the people that live in the houses that we're in. We're told to uh, practice social distancing. Now, I think the term physical distancing is a better one because we need to stay connected to each other. Um, we stay home uh, with others in our uh, household. We, we don't handshake, we don't hug, we don't kiss uh, anymore. This is what we've been told to do. But in the middle of all of this, a great opportunity um, sits there for us. And I want to um, uh, throw a couple of things out to you all um, uh, this, this morning and um, obviously for those watching Sunday morning or later on. Uh, we've worked really hard at the project. The pastors have worked really hard and some of our admin team have worked really hard to pull some things together. It seems like every time we got something that was going to work, the, uh, the rules changed at the governmental level and we didn't even really get to let some things fly that we wanted to let fly. Uh, meetings on a Sunday have changed. Um, uh, we're going to be uh, in contact with you about how we can stay connected in the middle of, of this. I uh, just want to encourage you to keep your eyes on uh, your email inbox and also Facebook. We'll be communicating with you on that. And I just probably even want to uh, encourage you, if you uh, are kind of anti-Facebook, you're, uh, you're kind of opposed to it, now might be the time just to sign up and just become part of the Project Church community. Don't friend anyone else. Don't have anything else on your news feed. That's going to be one of the ways that we're going to be pushing information out and helping us to stay connected there. In terms of help, um, you, uh, we would love to hear from people who want to offer help. Uh, there's an opportunity uh, for you to serve others, but also there's an opportunity for you to say if you need help. The, uh, the church has got a uh, page uh, on our website, uh, set up for this very purpose. The easiest way is just to go to our homepage, theprojectchurch.com.au. There'll be a red stripe at the top with the information on it. Just click on that. It'll take you to our page. 
There's a bunch of resources there. There's also a couple of uh, forms there that you can fill out if you'd like to offer help or you need help with anything. And filing all of that, if in doubt, just call the church reception number or uh, email uh, hello at theprojectchurch.com.au and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch with you. Third thing I just wanted to uh, say is, um, is just with regard to financial uh, giving. Um, I'd love for you just to uh, keep being as generous as you're able. Uh, we are passionate about supporting uh, the Project Church and members of the community. Um, it's one of the ironies of a suffering time and a troubling time is that often resources go down when the needs go up. And uh, I think that's the place that we're uh, headed at the moment. Love for you to uh, give as you're able. And it might actually mean that some of you will, uh, will need to give less. And uh, it may be that others will be blessed by God. And for this period of time, you just need to seek him because maybe God's blessing you so that you can be more generous than you are uh, conventionally. Obviously, there's not going to be any offering buckets. So if you... Um, on uh, giving and serving and the account details will be there there's also the option to give via paypal uh, last thing i just wanted to um throw out organizationally is uh, uh we're going to be doing uh regular kind of video updates from the pastors uh, mostly because we just think the uh, the news feed and your social media feed just need to be interrupted a little bit uh, so we're going to be doing these short videos um, that are going to just encourage you or get you thinking about some things uh, that will help you to track your way uh, through the situation that we find ourselves in. Uh, having said all of that, um, I would just encourage you in terms of your spiritual health, you just need to lean in. Um, this is not kind of lean back and someone's going to come to you. You need to lean in. And there are millions and millions of great Christian resources that exist online uh, to foster and to stir up your spiritual health and, and to keep growing that. So uh, good for you to, um, to avail yourself of those. Any questions about anything, um, love to, uh, we would love to hear from you. We, uh, we'll do what we can to help you out. We, um, we're at the end of the Why the Church series, uh, and it seems a strange... Um, a strange thing to preach on, maybe in one sense, but in another sense, I trust you're going to see it makes all sorts of sense. Um, who could have predicted that this is where we're going to end? Because today, the uh, topic that we were scheduled to finish on, which we are going to finish on today, is uh, the church is irrelevant anyway. The church is irrelevant anyway. And the church, I think, by and large, by our culture, is, is, is seen as irrelevant. Uh, it's been kind of pushed to the sidelines most people don't pay too much attention to it. They look at the church and they go, yeah, the church does some nice things every now and then, uh, but we aren't that necessary. The church just isn't that necessary. And I just want to say to you all, we have just stormed into contention. <laughs> this whole situation um, has just led to us storming into contention and becoming kind of a front and centre important part of what's going on in our society. You know, our... Our, uh, our world sees the church as largely irrelevant, um, sometimes because of the church's inability to engage with the world. Uh, the church has had a history of just kind of separating itself from others and being focused on being holy but not really connecting to other people. 
even though in scripture we can see that's not the model that Jesus gives us. So just tended to be the church a little bit sometimes if we just pull away from society um, without uh, integrating particularly well with it. Um, that's one reason why I think people see the church as irrelevant. Another reason why the church can be irrelevant is this one. And this is the place that I think we find ourselves in now is the world swings from one extreme to the other, from one end of the, end of the pendulum to the other, um, the world swings. You know, sometimes truth is in and sometimes it's not. <laughs> Whereas in Christianity, it's always in. Truth is always in in Christianity. You know, in our society, sometimes self-discipline is in and sometimes it's not. And in the church, self-discipline is always in. And so if culture decides self-discipline is not an important thing, culture swings um, away from the church in that respect and starts to see the church as being um, irrelevant. You know, philosophically, culturally, academically, the arts, things move and change. And the view of the world in terms of the church's relevance kind of shifts and changes with it. The big question, I think, goes back to the first reason why people see the church as irrelevant. It really comes down to whether the church is prepared to engage with the world. Are we prepared to reach out to them and connect with them? You know, Jesus didn't come to the earth to set up an exclusive community which would keep itself separate from the world. That's, that's not what he did. What he did is he came and he, uh, he, he was some kind of guerrilla kind of raid on the powers of darkness and the, uh, the, the world as it stands uh, for his purposes. This is the way C.S. Lewis puts it. Um, Enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed you might say landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. That's where we are right now. That's why the church can't just seal itself off from everyone else, but we need to go out there and get amongst it. God's launched the counter-offensive and he wants us to be part of that. Um, and and here's, here's the kicker, as I mentioned earlier, this pandemic that we're in at the moment I think has moved the church from the fringe right to the center of what's going on. We become really, really relevant. You know, who we are as a church has always been relevant to uh, society at some level, at least ideally, uh, but it's even more pronounced at the moment. So Thursday morning, I get up and uh, I'm done. I'm, I'm over it. I'm sick of hearing the news feed about all this stuff going on. I'm, uh, I'm sick of seeing stuff in my social media feeds about what's going on. I'm just done with it. Um, and I just kind of went, all right, what now? <laughs> like Thursday was the first day that a person got diagnosed with coronavirus in Toowoomba. And it's like, Peter, now is not the time to stop. All right. It's like the danger is kind of coming um, in, in a larger, to a larger extent. Now is not the time to actually um, throw the towel in at this point, you know. And I, as I thought about it, I started thinking about, um, I was thinking about the crisis, the situation, 
Uh, I am the kind of guy that likes to think about things in advance. Uh, so two or three weeks ago, I was thinking about a bunch of this sort of stuff. I was trawling the media uh, for news, thinking about how to respond. And it all kind of ended up on Thursday morning with me going, I'm done. I'm gassed. I'm cooked. <laughs> um, what do I do next? Well, what was going on in that moment for me? Well, you know, one of the things I think was going on for me in that moment is, um, is that I was just coming down off the adrenaline. And fear does that when people stir fear up um, and they promote kind of the danger that's out there. What happens is people have an adrenaline response. And I think probably part of it was just the, the adrenaline drawdown. Um, you know, you just can't be hyper alert all the time. There's a point that you come to where you just kind of, where you stop. Um, what do you do then? What do you do then? Especially when this thing seems to have a long way to run yet. And uh, I got thinking about um, running, actually. And I thought about cross countries and uh, marathon runs. Um, and I particularly got thinking about my, uh, I got four sons and I've seen, uh, I've gone to watch my sons run cross countries. And um, I have seen a particular thing happen at primary school cross countries. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And this is how it goes. They get all the kids on the line for the cross country. It's like a 3K race. The starter pulls the uh, starting gun. The race starts and all the kids run flat out as fast as they can for the first 100 metres. And... Everyone's watching just going, there is no way you are going to be able to keep up that pace for the next three Ks. And um, I would often stand at the first bend and, and I'd yell to my sons or I'd call out to my sons. I'd say to them, don't feel like you have to go the pace of the person at the front. Set your own pace. Know your own pace. Set it and be consistent with that the whole way through. You know, in some ways, I think the, uh, the race that we're running at the moment is, um, with the coronavirus is a lot like that. It's, it's not a um, 100 metre dash. <laughs> this thing's going to be uh, a long distance run. And uh, there's a sense in which, uh, to some extent, I think the, the media and the press has kind of been pushing us and our own anxiety and fear pushes us to run really, really hard for a while. And then we can get to the point where we just go, I'm done. I can't, I can't keep running that fast anymore. And so the question becomes, when I can't run that fast anymore, what, what do I do? Do I crash for a bit like in a cross country and just walk for a bit? And then once I've gathered my breath and I run really hard for the next 100 metres and then I stop again and I walk? Well, that's not a very good way of running a race. Uh, I think a better way is we need to settle into a pace in this race that we're running that is in keeping with who we are, with who God's made us to be. My, um, my sons have often reported to me conversations they've had about me running. And uh, I think uh, probably the best runners look like spiders because um, they're just light. I, I just don't look like a, a runner and I'm not a great runner, but I love running. And uh, my kids would actually talk to their friends. And this is... Um, this is something that my kids would, uh, would say to their friends uh, about me. They say, dad doesn't run very fast, but he can run a long time. <laughs> and, 
And you know why that is? Because that's, that's how I run. That's, that's the way I've always run. I don't try to be the fastest, but I just set the pace and let's just go after it. You know, we need to, as a church community, and even as a culture, we need to slow down and find our rhythm. That's what we need to do. We need to slow down and find our pace. Um, you know, we need to run this race in a way that's in keeping with who God's made us to be. Not the pace of the media, not the pace of our friends, not the pace of the panic buying at the shops, but the, the pace that's in keeping with who God has made us as people. We need to settle into who we are. So I want to look at five things really quickly about who we are, just to help you to settle into a good rhythm so that you can run this race that is going to be more long distance than a short dash. Here's the first one. Uh, we're powerful. God has made us powerful. We can do stuff. You know, we are not people who cower in the corner and wait for bad things to happen to us. That is not who we are. We are people who can do stuff. And I wonder if you'd uh, open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. You'll need your Bibles the whole way through here. There's no uh, PowerPoint today. So uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Um, Timidity is not who we are. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love, self-control. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 is the promise uh, of the, uh, the Holy Spirit by Jesus. Let me just read this one for you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God has given you power to do stuff. And we are not, he has not made us to be people that cower in the corner and fret necessarily over what could happen to us. He's, he has given us his spirit and he's given us his spirit to do things. Now, does that mean that we're not going to feel anxious sometimes or fearful sometimes? Absolutely not. But it just means there's something bigger going on. There's something that's more true to who God's made you to be than sitting in fear and anxiety and letting it have its way. You know, back in the Garden of Eden, there's this God-given mandate to exercise dominion for the glory of God and for the good of creation. Um, and, and it's even better now. Because it's not just even this God-given, created, kind of anthropological, kind of human dominion. It's like you have the Spirit now. Uh, we don't have to be enslaved by fear anymore. The Spirit broke that. We don't have to be reactive. We, we have not been made to go with the flow. That is not who we are. God made us, people, to stand out. <laughs> That's what he made us to do. He made us to stand out. We can act. We can lean in. We cannot be slaves to fear. We can be decisive because that is what God has created us to be. Not just in our humanity, but it's what he's created us to be in the, in the new creation by his death on the cross. Uh, we are powerful. We are powerful. Here's the second one. We, uh, we are not afraid of death. Strange thing to say because many of us probably are right now, but being one of God's children actually means you're not afraid 
of death. Um, there's this story in the Bible which I find hilarious, actually. I think it's pretty funny. I think it's, uh, I think it's amazing. Um, I don't know whether you noticed, but uh, uh, criminals are often dumb. Um, and uh, there, there's some smart ones, and the sw- smart ones we probably don't know are criminals because they get away with the stuff that they're, get, that they're doing. But um, in the main, criminals are pretty dumb most of the time. They just do things that don't make sense. And, and uh, there's this scene in the Bible where the Pharisees kind of do a dumb thing like a criminal would kind of do. And I, I want to take you there now. Just uh, John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 9. John chapter 12 verse 9. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, note this, but also to see Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So Lazarus died, Jesus raised him from the dead. And so people are gathering around um, to see Jesus, to come to Jesus because of Lazarus telling people that Jesus raised him from the dead. So look at verse 10. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. You see that? Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Now, there's two reasons at least why they uh, want to put Lazarus to death. Here's the first one. They're trying to intimidate him and get him to stop talking. I don't think it's probably that one. The other one is they're just wanting to stop people responding to him. Think about it for a minute. The one thing that I've often visualized with uh, Lazarus is this. Um, Imagine someone going up to Lazarus and saying to Lazarus, uh, they want to kill you. (laughs) What do you reckon he'd say? So? (laughs) I've already been dead. And Jesus raised me like it's not that bad, all right? Like I'm in the clear now. So like, do you think Lazarus would actually get intimidated by, by people wanting to kill him and stop talking about Jesus? I don't think so. I don't think he would. He's already been there. Now, you just can't intimidate Lazarus. You know, you can possibly quiet him by, obviously, by killing him. That's provided Jesus didn't raise him again, (laughs) which he could have, but you could quiet his witness by killing him. You know, sometimes I think we could be a little more like Lazarus, couldn't we, with things? It's like, oh, really? Is that the worst you could do? Kill me. I think that would be something of what uh, Lazarus would say to people who uh, would tell him about some kind of plot to kill him. Um, We can do better than that. Let's uh, go to Hebrews 2, verse 14 to 15. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. Great section. Uh, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things. Notice this, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. This is amazing. Uh, Jesus went to the cross and one of the things Jesus did on the cross is he released us from the fear of death. And and it's been a lifelong slavery for humanity that we get stuck in that. 
And who knows right at the moment, like the world needs a whole bunch of people kicking around, doing good things and praying and connecting with people who aren't afraid of dying. That's all we need, right? We just, that, those are the kind of people that the world needs right now. Like this is, we are hugely relevant. If we can anchor into the truth that Jesus has our back in a physical sense, that, that the death thing is, is just, has been defanged for us, then we can just be these people in our community that our community desperately needs. That's number two. Number three, uh, we know that Jesus is with us. We know that. This is who we are. We are people who know that Jesus is with us. Uh, I'm sure that you've seen a uh, TV show or a movie. Uh, it's a classic scene. You know, you've got some nerdy pipsqueak that's really weak and he's got a really, really strong friend and that friend's with him and he stands there and he taunts his enemies. Even though they could beat the living daylights out of him, they're not because this other guy's there with him. This other guy's protecting him. Um, there's this um, scene in The Lion King where um, Simba ventures out of the, uh, the Pride Lands and actually in the direction of the elephant's graveyard. And uh, he, he, uh, he says, he, he makes this comment. He says, I laugh in the face of danger. Now, the interesting thing about that particular um, scene in the movie is Simba is not saying I laugh in the face of danger because someone strong is backing him. He's saying it because he thinks he's great. And he's just not. He's small and uh, he's in a dangerous place. That is not the kind of boldness that I'm talking about. Um, Backing yourself is different to getting after it because God's with you. (laughs) Those two things are vastly different. You know, we can have great confidence in the uh, places that we venture in this season um, and we can have we, we can just we can just walk in we can have boldness because Jesus is with us he's with us in everything um, come with me to, to Matthew 28 18 to 20 Matthew 28 18 to 20 section of uh, the gospels where Jesus commissions the uh, the disciples Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Uh, Just note the confidence that you're meant to have here. This is like normal. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Like just stop there. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You hear that? (laughs) Get out and get amongst it. Get out and get amongst it. You, You can have confidence and boldness because Jesus is with you. Every single place that you go, he is with you. He is in you. You know, get out and preach the gospel. This is something that we need to do right now. We need to tell people about Jesus. You know, we, we are not people who think that there's some kind of mysterious power in the universe and we've just got to say the right optimistic words and then good things are going to happen. That, that's not how we see things rolling. The way things roll is that Jesus is present. He lives in his people. He's personally present with them and he goes with them wherever they go because they are the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we go out and we do things and God is with us. We can ask him for help. He will help us. You know, God is with you. Uh, be bold. Lean in. All right. Number four. We have hope. <laughs> hope is such a critical thing for human existence. When hope disappears, uh, people's will to live tends to uh, disappear with it. Um, we, we have um, lived in a society where there's been lots and lots of hope. There's been insurance when there's accidents. There's band-aids when you get cut. Um, there's vaccines for things. There's hospitals. And what we're in right at the moment in this particular season is we're in a season where hope is draining a little in our community. Um, and this, and it's, this, it's kind of the apparent s- sovereignty of this virus that's draining people's hope. But we are not a people <laughs> who draw our hope from circumstances. That is not who God has made us to be. Um, we are a people of biblical hope. And this biblical hope is not wishful thinking. This is not I wish for something kind of hope. People often say that. They say, I hope that this happens. Uh, we have a different hope to that. We have a hope that is sure and certain. Um, you might say, well, what is it? Well, come with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm just going to read verse 3 to 9. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 to 9. Starting at verse 3 there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What's, what's our hope? I mean, we could talk about this passage for a long time. Well, you know, a key part of it is this. A central part of it is this. It's an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled and unfading. You're being guarded. You making it doesn't ultimately depend upon you. You know, I, I can't overemphasize the importance of eternity for perseverance now. This is one of the things that Peter's saying here. Eternity is a really, really, really long time. Your years and my years here are very short. What will 70 years be in the light of eternity? A blip? <laughs> a grain of sand on the seashore? And Peter's saying to us here that our eternal security our our inheritance (laughs) our salvation is sure it's locked in go down to uh, verse 13 of 1 peter 3 sorry not 1 peter 1 1 peter 3 verse 13 to 15 
Now, this is in the context of uh, persecution, but notice uh, what Peter says here, 1 Peter 3, verse 13 to 15. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We need to lock in, people. We need to lock in that we are a people who have hope. The end is not bad. (laughs) The end is not bad. The end is good and we need to walk around as people who are filled with hope. We get to be different. We get to be a light in a dark place. This is who we are. We are people with hope. And that's not the only hope that we have. I mean, you, you can dig into the scriptures and there's other reasons, lots of other reasons why you should have hope. Here's one from Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That's hope right there. It goes right back to what I was saying before. Evil is good twisted and Jesus is going to twist the twisted good so it's good again. It's amazing. Even the worst is going to end up good. That doesn't mean that it's not confusing and difficult in the in-between bit. But we need to be people who um, can just settle it in our souls that the end is good. God's going to guard me. Uh, Eternity is long. He's going to protect me. There's going to be an inheritance there. I'm I'm just going to settle into that. And even in the midpoint now, like in between now and then, even when bad things happen, I can have and we can have a confidence that good things will come out of it. And we don't always have to quote that to people. Uh, a lot of the time we're just going to need to sit alongside people and be with people in the middle of their pain and suffering the way that Jesus does uh, with us. But that can energise the way that we care for people and the way that we love people. Uh, we can have underneath and sometimes out of our mouth at the right time, just a real hope and assurance like this is going to end well. I haven't got a clue how, but it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Here's number five. We are people who (laughs) are happily dependent. That's an identity statement. We are happily dependent. Um, we, We are people who don't, have to have it go the way that we want it to go. We, we know that God exists and we know that he's weaving a story together through every situation and we hold our own desires and our own wills loosely because he can do as he pleases and we know that the things that he does are good. Um, you know, we, we are a people who are happily dependent and are tuned in to God's agenda. That's, that's us. And so we kind of hold things loosely and just probably we just go, that'd be really nice to have this thing. It'd be nice to have this future. It'd be nice to have more money and to not have an economic downturn. But at the same time as we have these desires, we hold them loosely and we say, God, you're in charge and you're doing a good thing. Whatever you do is good. We're on your agenda. We're not on our agenda. You know, we, we dance to a different tune. We dance to a different tune and we trust him because we know he's not a despot. We know he's not deranged and he's not a psycho. (laughs) He's a person, he's loving, he's for us and he's our father. And so we want to be about our father's business. 
um, more than we want to be about our own. So we just talk differently. That's what we do. We, uh, I, I know most of my life, my dad would uh, add the little phrase at the end of most plans that he would have, um, God willing. And many of you have connected with people like that. It's like, oh, yeah, no, we'll come over to your place, God willing. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that we have to do that, but uh, I think the call for all of us is to live a life that adds God willing after everything that we do. Uh, not literally out loud, but in the way that we live our life. It's like, this is not my life. It's not my body. It's not my breath. Um, tomorrow's not my day. It belongs to another and he is good and I can trust him. And so we're flexible. That's who we are. That's who we are as Christians. It's like we are flexible because we just know that he might have a different agenda for us than we would have for us. And we're okay with that. We're okay with that. Um, I think uh, uh, on the negative kind of rebuke kind of side to it, the, um, the scripture that speaks to this uh, really clearly, I think, is James chapter 4. You could probably just duck over there now. James 4 verse 13. James 4.13 Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's that grain of sand on the beach. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So we're just in a time of just really intense interruption. People's lives are being interrupted. And we as Christians just go, that's okay. Mightn't be what we want. We might want to go to parties. We might want to go and, and do the things that we normally do. We want to be able to buy the things that we want in the shops and not go in there and have a whole bunch of bare shelves in the shops. There's lots of things that we'd prefer a different way, but... But we, in terms of our identity as God's people, we say, we're on another's agenda. <laughs> we're on God's agenda. and We're happily dependent upon him and we hold our desires loosely. You know, you do that in front of a, uh, an anxious, panicked world and you're going to stand out. You will, um, you'll be different. And that's, that's where I want to finish uh, this morning. Uh, five things for you to remember about who you are. You're, you're powerful. You're not afraid of death. You know Jesus is with you. You have hope. And you're happily dependent. You know, if we live into these realities, and sometimes that can be hard. I'm not saying we just repeat these things and all of a sudden it's a re reality for us. But as we live into these realities and let God's truth wash over us, we will shine like a beacon. Um, around the place and uh, God knows that we need lots of lights in this darker time why don't you pray with me Jesus thank you for um, being such a bright light uh, your word says that um, that in you in God there's no darkness at all and uh, you could have stayed away from uh, the darkness of this world, but you didn't. Um, and you demonstrate for us that the best place for a light to be is where it's dark. 
And uh, you led the way and you paved the way for us and you changed us. You changed the situation for us. God, and some of us live in a portion of that at the moment. And I would just pray, God, that you would help us to live more fully into the people that you've made us to be. Would you help us to realize that you're with us? Help us to realize that you've given us your spirit and we're powerful, we can do things. Help us not to be passive reactors to what's going on at the moment. Help us to be filled with hope. Help us not to, to fear death. Help, help us to, to believe the truth about that. God, we, um, we need your help with that. And I thank you that you're so willing to help us. God, would you bless all the people in the Project Church. God, make them really, really lean into you, lean into each other and be really, really bright um, to other people around them. God, make us people that will serve and love really, really well and really richly in this time. Amen.